0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. Hey, my name's Ian Begley. You're watching the NBA Exchange with Dexter Henry. Welcome everybody to the Friday edition of the NBA Exchange. We're doing this a little bit later than we normally do uh, because I had to move some things around uh, to get my guest who was so kind to give me some time uh, to join me a little bit later in the afternoon. You know, we normally do this a lot earlier, but he was kind enough to give me some time. It is Gary Washburn. He is NBA writer for the Boston Globe. Known him a long time, did a lot of videos with him back in the day with the Boston Globe. We're going to talk a bit about the Celtics. They've had a crazy turnaround. We'll talk a lot about that. Gary joins me now. Gary, how you doing, man? I'm good. How's it going? Good, man. Good. Always good to see you. You know, I love your work and everything you've done. Um, But we're going to talk a little bit about the C's uh, up in Boston. The Celtics, uh, they've had an interesting turnaround, Gary. Uh, Started off the season slow, but now they've won 10 out of their last 11. And I saw this tweet from you recently. In all their wins, they've never trailed. So they've been really impressive. How shocked have you been with their play recently this month in February?
1: Yeah, it's been really surprising considering they literally were just so up and down, so inconsistent. They were 18 and 21 at one point, like risking not even making the play-in tournament. And now they're the sixth seed. They have a chance to really gain some ground on the teams ahead of them. So it was a real shock. I mean, you know, they were playing good in certain spurts, you know, and then they'd have a really bad quarter, a really bad first quarter, but the good, the last three. So they just needed to put it together, but the fact they put it together, they've gotten completely healthy, no COVID issues, no real nagging injuries and that they're playing really, really good defense. And this is what uh, the new coach, Emmy Adoka, has preached uh, since he took the job was defense first. We're going to win. We're not going to win games pretty. We're not going to be the Warriors. We're going to win games with defense. And timely scoring, um, scoring when we need to putting the ball in the bucket, but also stopping people. And it's just happened to work at this point. Obviously, they haven't played the greatest competition, catching Brooklyn twice when they really Mm -hmm. aren't themselves. uh, You know, playing teams shorthanded, but you got to play who's on your schedule, and you got to beat them. The NBA is not a league that everybody can beat everybody. So you got to commend them for being this hot. The defense, I think a lot of Celtics fans,
0: with a Duke, with a Duke coming in, expected it to be good, uh, right, Gary? But the offense has been, like you said, timely. That's been it. What Has there been anything else that you've seen the key to this turnaround? Is it chemistry? Is it anything more with the Celtics that have been key to this turnaround that we've seen this
1: month? I just, good health, obviously. They've had some injuries. You know, Marcus Smart out. Uh, earlier, Jalen Brown missing time with a hamstring injury, they've, you know, Jason Tatum missed time with COVID. They had everybody on their team struck with the the Omicron uh, variant. And then, you know, just nagging injuries, and then lack of chemistry, lack of practice time, all the, quote, unquote, you would say those are excuses because every team is really dealing with that. But they just were really bitten by that. But now that they're completely healthy, guys are buying into the system. Guys are buying into what – Ime Udoka is saying, I just think it just flipped the script. I mean, they went from an 18 and 21 team and now they're 36 and 26. So they have just done, uh, you know, just tremendous things. And they still have a chance to get uh, maybe one of the top four seeds that's not over. Um, And they've played well this season against good competition. They've beaten Miami twice, Um, they've beaten Chicago, they've beaten Milwaukee. So, uh, you know, they, so they have a chance uh, against the good teams. They just got to play like it throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, they got to. Right now, they currently sit at sixth
0: in the East. They've moved up. This was a team that one time was out of the playing tournament, 10th. Uh, Gary talks about them at 18 and 21. Now, they also made some acquisitions, Gary, at the trade deadline, uh, getting Derek White, getting Daniel Theis, bringing them back. Obviously, those guys seem to fit in really well with what Udoka wants to do. How do you think they helped them down the stretch of the season?
1: Yeah, I think White's someone that they really have been targeting, and he's like a team guy, right? He comes from a system in San Antonio where there's real, really no superstars. I mean, that 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 team has been built for 25 years on teamwork, on everybody pitching in, no one being, you know, the super duper star for all the way back from Robinson and Duncan and Parker and Ginobili, and even you know the Kawhi days to now. So he comes from a system where he's really contributed and he's not been the star. And here they bring him off the bench. He comes in as kind of like a six starter and a, and a, and a guy who can play down the stretch a close game. So he can be in that, that front uh, lineup, you know, when they're trying to close out a game and he can shoot the ball, he can play defense, he can do the little things. So I think that that's been really important. That was a big acquisition for them. Daniel Tice. Kind of uh supports, gives offers some you know backup to you know Robert Williams and Al Hover at the center position. He's a guy who knows the system, can hit uh the pick and pop a little bit, is can give the hard foul, can rebound, do a little bit of everything. So when you have a chance to add a quality center like Tice, in addition to Derek White, I mean those are two good acquisitions that they made the trade li- deadline. That N- didn't necessarily make the biggest headlines, it ne- wasn't necessarily the biggest moves of the trade deadline, but for them, those are good moves.
0: Yeah, I think they were. And Derek White, you said, a guy that can just fit in really nice. He knows how to play without stars and now playing with two top players in Brown and Tatum there. When we talk about the coach, Emea Doka, and his impact, Gary, um, should more people be talking about him as coach of the year? Because this is a pretty impressive turnaround, as you said, from 18 and 21 to where they are now. Do you think he should
1: be getting more in the conversation for coach of the year? I think if they were to, like, get the number one or two seed, maybe. Right. But right now, Taylor Jenkins and Memphis with the, how well the Memphis Grizzlies have done. Monty Williams with how well uh, the Phoenix has kind of not missed a beat from last year's NBA finals. I think those uh, are the two leaders um, in the pack. Um E-may, would you w- would you vote him third? Yeah, I think definitely he's someone who could deserve consideration for, for being on the ballot. Um, especially, I think it all depends on how they finish. And remember, they're 18 and 21. But if they turn around and grab like a number two seed uh, in the East and they finish with a really impressive run, yeah, I, I'd say he's someone in consideration. But I think you've got to definitely look down in Memphis at Memphis and what Taylor Jenkins is doing with those Grizzlies. Because remember, Dexter, they haven't been healthy. they still missing Dylan Brooks. You know, right. They missed Scott for a minute. I mean, they have not been completely healthy all year. And this is a team that's grabbed that number three seed And it's pushing the Warriors for the second seed. So I think jumping from, let's say, I think they were the ninth seed last year. And they ended up winning the the, uh, play-in game and losing the first round. So going from the nine to the three, I think that's coach of the year material. Yeah, pretty impressive jump there for the Grizzlies. But Doka doing
0: pretty impressive work uh, with the Celtics. So whenever I've talked about the Celtics the last couple of years, Gary, right? It's always been, do do Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, do they fit? Do they work together? But now they've been playing well, despite the schedule and what you said. That noise is sort of quieted. Where are we now with how these two guys fit? Because I think they can be dangerous considering they've had a lot of time together. They've had some deep playoff runs together, as you know. Where's the noise around these two and their pair and how they can work going forward into the future?
1: Well, I think the noise has been quieted. I don't think either of the two were making the noise, right? They weren't neither was saying, Get me out of here or I don't like playing with this guy. It was not either from either of them. It was from the fact that they were struggling early and people say, Well, they play the same position. You know, well, they're too much alike. Well, they don't help their teammates. They're not they don't make their teammates better, or they don't help each other. And I think that's a process. And I think what eBay Duck has done this season is Pulled those two guys aside and said, listen, we need to make each – you guys, two guys, need to make each other better. Rebound the ball. Pass the ball. Uh, set pick and rolls. Like, do little things to make the life of easier for other guys on the team. That's how you become a top, you know, player in this league. How how come you become a perennial all-star in all-NBA is being doing more than just scoring because a lot of guys can score in this league. You know, you need to be like a Jokic." You know, you need to be a guy like a Giannis who puts it, fills the stat sheet with rebounds and assists and steals, plays defense. So I think those guys have taken that advice to heart and are doing just that, becoming more playmakers. I've seen both of those guys, especially Tatum, be more of a playmaker this year, pass the ball and not do the whole Kobe thing. I think people, you know, uh, Jason's idol, favorite time, -time all-time players, Kobe. And they worked together uh, in the summer, uh, like a year or two before Kobe tragically passed away. So there was some real influence uh, there on Tatum. And people think that, well, he was trying to be too much like Kobe. There's one Kobe. You know, you can't do the pump fake fade away in the face of a seven-footer like Kobe can. Just do what you do. And I think Tatum got accused of that. And so instead of that, he's now passing the ball. He's now taking the quality shot. He's now attacking the rim more. And the same with Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown is attacking the rim more. You know, not relying as much on the three-pointer, has mastered the mid-range. So those two guys working together, and I've always said, you get two all-stars, you don't break those guys up unless they want to be broken up. Unless you got a James Harden situation, a Ben Simmons situation, a Anthony Davis, where the guy comes and the man manager says, I want out. You don't break up two all-stars unless you get another all-star back. Right, okay. which,
0: which you know isn't easy to do. You and know that. Most right.
1: teams would be doing backflips to have two All-Stars, 25 and under, on their team with control for the next three to four years. So the Celtics aren't going to do anything to break those guys up. Yeah, they clear, clearly they're
0: making it work. And as I said before, that noise is quieted down, and you bring up the great points about how they become both better playmakers, and that was some of the focus from Madoka this season. The offense for the Celtics, the defense has been pretty good. All oh, year, Gary. They've been pretty solid there. Uh, we talked about the offense recently. Do you think this offensive play is sustainable where you're seeing guys hit timely shots? It's not just Marcus Smart hitting the big shot, but everybody's getting involved. Do you think this offensive
1: play is sustainable for the Celtics? I think it is. I think that they could use another offensive player, um, and we'll see what happens in the buyout market because you've got Tatum and Brown, and then you've got, you know, Smart, who's inconsistent, but when he 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 can knock down the three, when he's on, he's on. But there's times that he's not on, as as we've known. If you followed the Celtics for years, Smart is a very streaky shooter. You don't want to rely on him to score. And then you got Robert Williams, who gives you easy buckets, something they hadn't had in years. Someone you just throw the ball up at the rim and dunk it. Al Horford's been a key part. When the shots going down for him, the Celtics are even a better team. He said he struggled offensively this year, struggled with the three point shot. Uh, and then, you know, Derek White coming off the bench. But you look – and Grant Williams has also been a big aid, big help. Uh, he, he has become one of the better three-point shooters in the league. But if you're talking about championship caliber, you want someone who come off the bench and give you some buckets, okay? And there's guys going to be out there probably available that Celts can get, you know, or you want to depend – do you want to depend on second-year guard Peyton Pritchard to be that guy, that backup point guard? who's going to get open shots? Do you want to depend on him to knock those down? Or do you want to get someone who's kind of a hired gun, someone who knows how to score? And I think that's what this team needs to make a long, a big-time playoff run is that one guy, that, the like I would say, not now, but Jamal Crawford, a guy mm. who can come off the bench and get your buckets and knows how to score, get to the free throw line.
0: That's what they need. That's the kind of player you see them needing. Now you talked about them getting to that next level, right? Making that championship run, deep player front, which they've had a deep run before. The Celtics have different group. But how much noise do you think they can make this year, Gary? As you know, right now they sit at six. You talked about they have a chance to move up to one of the top four spots. Definitely possible. But how good do you think this team could be this year, finishing the second half, going into the
1: playoffs? I mean, defense travels, right? So I think they can make a run of the conference finals. Can they beat Milwaukee or can they beat Miami or Chicago in the seven game series or a revamped Brooklyn team? I think that's yet to be seen. You know, this team has not yet played a long, as it's constituted, played a long, grueling playoff series. Okay, can they beat Giannis and those guys four out of seven games? Can they beat the Bulls with... DeMar playing MVP caliber and Zach Levine, a healthy and Bucevic and and all those guys. That's a good question. I think they can go to the conference finals if they're, they're fortunate and things go right for them. I don't know. I think they need another piece or two to get over that top because I think if you look at around the East, Milwaukee just picked up Javon Carter. The Nets just picked up Goran Dragic. Uh, Philadelphia added Willie Cauley-Stein because we haven't even talked about the Sixers and right. like, how they're going to look with James Harden. So you put those teams there. You got to give those teams a nod over the Celtics simply because they've done it before and they have the star power. Can the Celtics be like a? It's a. It's not a great example, but the 0-4 Pistons where they just kind of beat you with defense and they kind of sneak up on you. Maybe so. Um, I don't think it's a great shot. But I do think their ceiling to me right now is like is the conference finals.
0: Conference for conference finals is their ceiling right now. Uh, Since you are a national NBA writer, you talked about some other stuff. Let let me just take you around a little bit before we get you uh, out of here. Um, What did you think of the Simmons Harden deal uh, with Brooklyn and Philly? Since they're in the division with the Celtics, what did you think of that? Was there a clear winner, or did both teams win there?
1: I think both teams won. I mean, I think Philadelphia. Remember, they had won and been successful without Simmons, but they also gave up Curry and, and um, Andre Drummond. Yep. So I think Philadelphia might have hurt themselves. I think you can give Brooklyn maybe the advantage, if, but it all depends on how Simmons looks. Simmons might be a shell of himself for the first 20, 25 games. We do not know. We do not know what mental state he's in, what physical state he's in. He looks okay on the end of the bench, but we don't know because we haven't seen Ben Simmons since game seven against Atlanta when he passed up that slam dunk and passed it and, and then all of a sudden went into a shell and said he didn't want to play for the Sixers anymore. So I don't think there's a winner at this point because we haven't seen Harden. Harden is supposed to debut very soon. Um, uh, Friday against the Timberwolves is supposed to be his debut. We'll see how that looks we'll see if Philadelphia is hurt by losing Curry. I just watched Curry the other night against the the Celtics. Curry is a shot maker. I mean, that dude has gotten so much Mm -hmm. better from, you know, his early years when he was bouncing around the league. I mean, he's not his brother. He'll never be his brother. But my goodness, Curry is a shooter, man. I mean, he can hit that mid-range. And that gives Brooklyn another weapon. And, you know, with Kyrie and with Durant coming, and we'll see what happens with these uh, COVID situations if Kyrie can play full-time in, in the city or whatever. Yeah. But I don't think there's a winner yet because there's so many variables to it. What kind of shape is Harden in? When does Simmons come back? Um, you know, does do Drummond and Curry really help Brooklyn? Um, what will Philadelphia look like without having Curry as a shooter and another big man in the paint? Will they, you know, will the, some of the other guys step up? So I don't think there's a winner yet. I know that's kind of a cop out answer, but I don't think there's a winner yet because there's so many variables. We have seen yet to see either player on the floor for the team, right? Right, we, right. We don't, we don't know. know. We, right. We don't know yet because we have no clue as to ha- whether Harden's in his you know later Houston shape where he's got the little beer <laughs> belly and the party the party look just got got out the club, or is Simmons quite right? Is he right? Is he ready to, to play a high-pressure uh, games and play in a city like New York where if he misses free throws, it's going to be on the back page? I mean, he didn't jump from Philadelphia to Minnesota or Charlotte. He jumped to a more a tougher market or equally as tough on their athletes. So let's see how Hemp Simmons handles that.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. I, th- I think you're right about that, right? We could analyze the trade all we want, but there's still so many question marks surrounding both teams in terms of who really won? And we, there's a lot that has to play out. With that being said, in the East, I, I want to ask you about around the league too. But in the East, who do you like um, as a favorite to come out the East right now? Who's your favorite? Because I think in the beginning of the year it was Brooklyn for a lot of people, but as you said, they have a lot of question marks. Who's your favorite to come out the East, Gary?
1: You know, I'm gonna say the defending champs. I'll say Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, All right. until they're beaten, Giannis, Middleton, Holiday. I mean, I think that they have it. They're very good, and when they get everything together, I think they're the favorites. You got to knock off the champs. I haven't seen a team in the East because they're all beating each other. They're all going through their ups and downs. Miami's yet to be really healthy. Chicago is up and down. Um, Cleveland's starting to slip a little bit. You know, we'll see what happens with them. Philadelphia and Brooklyn, as we've just talked about, we have no idea how they're going to look. You know, you just you're, you're thinking Brooklyn's going to make this real meteoric rise but Brooklyn's in the play in right now, which means they got to win one or maybe two games, then get a Miami or a Milwaukee or somebody in the first round, win that series and then keep it moving. Like that's a lot. So I will say the bucks until someone steps up and shows me that they can beat the bucks in seven games. Giannis is a monster and he's gotten even better than last year, you know, top 75 player. I think I think the youngest guy on the top seventy-five team, right? All time yep. seventy-five team. So until someone's fruit shows me they can beat Milwaukee seven four out of seven, the Bucks are the favorites. I think that's
0: fair. What about MVP? Who do you got for MVP right now? We're seeing hearing it's a two man race between Jokic and Embiid. Who who do you have? Because I I feel Gary a little bit with Jokic, he's kind of getting disrespected. He's gotten an even better season than last year. Right, And some people are forgetting about him at all. Who, who do you have winning MVP? Well, Dexter,
1: do not forget Okay, DeMar DeRozan. True, okay. true. Chicago, remember, as you've known, we follow the Bulls. The Bulls ain't been right since Derrick Rose left, right? They had a good run when Derrick Rose was there. Then they left, and they've been for years trying to find that combination to be competitive and be significant again. They get DeRozan, and boom. They're suddenly one of the top seeds in the East. He is going nuts lately, and he's carrying that team because Levine's been out. Vucevic has had his time with injury. Kobe White missed a part of the season. So to me, you got to give DeRozan some love for the MVP. Jokic, I mean, what more can you say about him? Carrying a team with major injuries, Porter and Murray both out. You know, he is just, he is such a great all-around player. Then Embiid. Is carrying the 76ers playing, staying healthy, staying on the floor, playing every game and doing what he's supposed to be doing. So it's a three-man race at this point, I think. I mean, to me, i probably vote for Embiid or DeRozan, not because anything that Jokic didn't do, but I just think sometimes with DeRozan being uh, the other side of 30, a guy that people thought had been losing it a little bit in San Antonio, kind of – Kind of lost a little bit of his luster when he got to the Spurs, and it was like, I and mean, then he goes to the Bulls, and so no, I'm still a superstar. I'm a five time All Star, and I'm carrying this team to the next level. So I think you got to, those three guys. But if if I had to vote today, it would be either Embiid or DeRozan, and it all depends on how the season ends. I'm gonna wait till the last minute to make my vote. <laughs> I'm not gonna vote now. Right. Uh, I'm not gonna vote. <laughs> I'm gonna see where each of these t- players take their teams, especially even Denver. Denver's in the playoffs without two super, super, superstars in Murray and two of their main cogs in Murray and Porter. I mean that says yep. something about Jokic the way he deals it. So he, if he gets votes, there's no loser here. Whoever wins, I think deserves it.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to see uh, how how you vote on this one. I think you're right. It's going to come down to probably the final weeks. Last thing before before I get you out of here, um, who wins the who wins the title? Who, I, I know it's early. I know we haven't seen playoff seedings, but if you had to. Put some money on it. Who do you see winning
1: this title? Who do you think is the best team in the league right now? I'm going to say the Phoenix Suns. I think that they're a team of destiny. They have not slipped since the finals. You know, Milwaukee has gone through their troubles. And, you know, Golden State's made a resurrection. We'll see what happens when they get Wiseman back. But Phoenix seems like a team. They're a machine, man. Like, they're just a total machine. They just methodically beat you. Everybody knows their role. Chris Paul. And we'll see what happens with his injury but I think he'll be back for the playoffs, so I think they'll be okay. They'll manage or whatever. I think when they get him back and they got Booker and they got Aiden and they got Johnson and they got Bridges and they got all these guys that know him, Crowder, guys that just know their role under a great coach, I think it's their year. I think they're a team of destiny. I think that they are not – they've learned from last year. They kind of let that title slip away against the Bucs. They had it. And then they let it slip away. I think they learned from their experience. And I think they raised the gold ball. And I think the championship is going to Arizona. Arizona and Phoenix. You heard it from Gary Washburn
0: giving you guys uh, the pick. Gary, um, thank you. Uh, you're great with all the work you do covering the NBA and for the Boston Globe. I know you took some time to talk to me from Detroit. Stay warm there in Detroit. I'm sure, I'm sure it's not it's not warm at all. And uh, yeah. you know, yeah, and, it, and and it's Detroit, so I know you want to get back home. Yeah. <laughs> I know you want to. That is Gary Washburn from the Boston Globe, NBA writer. Gary, thanks for joining me as usual. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. No problem. Again, that is Gary Washburn. He joined us here on the NBA Exchange. We're so grateful to have him uh, join us there. We're going to take a quick break. When I come back, we are going to do something a little bit different around betting. Uh, you know our partner for a lot of this. We've been promoting our code for weeks is Prize Picks. We're going to talk about some of the best over/under picks that you can make tonight for some player props. I know some of you like to do that out there. It's Friday night. Why don't we do something a little bit different uh, in terms of player props around prize picks? But first, a word from my partners, Prize Picks. are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports well look no further than prize picks prize picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game why because it's so easy to use and win you can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day right now we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the nba exchange All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code NBA PX. Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep, that's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play and download the Prize Picks app today. That's right, use that promo code from PrizePix, NBAEX, get that first deposit up to $100. Easy money, it gets that match, so it's a pretty good deal for you out there. I've been trying to promote that to our followers, listeners of this show on this podcast. encourage you to do that. You know, we're trying to help you out, get in the game, and play a little bit. But speaking of Prize Picks, um, there's some good over-unders I want to touch tonight in terms of, you know, from time to time, I like to dabble in a little bit of the player props. And when I but when I do this and I look at player props, I'm always looking at matchups, right? Like who's really got a good advantage? If it's rebounds, it's a big man going up against a weaker front line that doesn't rebound the ball well. Does this team shoot poorly, which gives this person a lot of opportunities for rebounds? There's a lot of information you want to look at. Also, one of the things that's really dope on Prize Picks is they'll show you the history of this person hitting the over-under at this number, which might influence the way you want to put some money down. So it's something you want to look at. The information's here. We try to look at the information and, you know, come to a decision on how that best can help us. Now, looking at some stuff tonight. I even mentioned this with Gary when we were talking. Uh, We talked about the Sixers a little bit. James Harden makes his Sixers debut tonight. He will be uh, playing with the Sixers against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Prize picks, they got it set at 21.5 points for James Harden to score. Now, look, we know James Harden can score when he plays and he wants to. And it depends on, like Gary said, whether he's in shape or not. A lot of it depends on that. We will see how he looks. So though I have this feeling he'll be a little bit motivated to play in a Sixers uniform. However, one of the things I like to always caution against is when somebody's had a long layoff. And Harden has. Look, let's keep it real. He checked out on the Nets a couple of weeks ago. He hasn't played since well before the All-Star break. It's been about almost over almost three weeks since he's played really a meaningful game where he's done anything. 21 and a half is something Harden usually is able to do. But for me, this is take the under. I do not like him to do that. I think he's going to have feel his way around with his new teammates, how he fits into the offense with Joel Embiid know that he's a gifted scorer. There is no doubting that at all whatsoever, but Harden still hasn't looked great this year. He hasn't looked right. A step slow. And again, I think he's sort of feeling his way out here. So for me, personally, I got to be out on this one uh, right here with Harden over the 21 and a half points. Now, in the last couple of games where he's played, three of the last five games he's played, he has hit over that 21 and a half points. You see a very low output, which I believe was that four point game against Sacramento, the last game that he actually played in. Yes, that was back on February 2nd. So, folks, hasn't played since February 2nd. The four-point output output there. The only other time he didn't score over 21 and a half is when he had 13, actually against these Minnesota Timberwolves. Not saying that they had him figured out, but with the layoff, last time he scored, he had four points. I could see Harden scoring somewhere between 16 and 18 points. Don't really like him to score to 21 and a half here. So I'm going to take the under on James Harden here. Uh, that's what I'm going to do in terms of that tonight. Now, my second one that I have involves rebounding with a guard who is known to get some triple doubles and that's DeJounte Murray prospects has a set at seven and a half rebounds over under they're playing the Washington Wizards not a good defensive team not really a good rebounding team they've had some injury issues at center with Daniel Gafford out Montres Harrow was shipped out at the trade deadline to Charlotte so not a strong rebounding team and this is one where I would say If you're going to put a little bit of money down on Murray, yeah, I could see him getting a triple-double tonight. But in terms of the boards, the over-unders, yeah, I like Murray to grab eight or more boards here. I can see that here tonight. We know he's aggressive. He's a really good rebounder. Again, Washington, not a good rebounding team. So I like this here. This is one I really like uh, for Murray to do. He's covered right around that line of 7.5 for the last couple of games. Now, he hasn't been over. Uh, seven and a half, eight rebounds or more in the last four games. He hasn't done that since February 11th against Atlanta, uh, interesting enough, who has some decent rebounders on that team, and he got 10 boards there. But Washington also, here's the thing, guys, not a good offensive team right now. They struggled. There will be no Bradley deal. There was no Chris Dapps I see a lot of opportunities for missed shots and defensive rebounds for DeJounte Murray to corral, so I love this. This is my lock pick of the night in terms of prize picks. Give me DeJounte Murray over seven and a half points. Definitely there. And a reminder, you want to get in on the prize picks game? Look at the prize picks code, NBAEX. Sign up with that. Match your first deposit up to $100. So definitely take a look at that. Now, my last one of the night uh, is one of my favorite players. Everybody knows me to watch in the league. That is Luka Doncic. And this has to go with the three-pointers. Luka Doncic, we know he can jack up a bunch of them. A lot of those step-back threes, we see him take that. Two and a half three-pointers made versus Utah, and here's why I like this. Utah, we know about how good Rudy Gobert is, but we also know where Utah struggles, and a lot of that is on the perimeter. They can struggle a ton defending really good players like Doncic, really dynamic players on the perimeter, which makes you think Doncic is going to get some blow-bys, but Doncic is always going to get a couple of open threes, and late in the game, he tends to have have the tendency to shoot a lot of step-back threes and make some of those even against some tough defenses. I think he'll get a lot of good looks in this game. We know Doncic attempts a lot, over six threes a game. I think he'll make at least three of those tonight. I love this matchup for Doncic uh, pretty much, and I think that this is one you should want to look at too. Now, in the last five games, Doncic has hit three or more threes, three of his last five games, okay? And he's had some big games. He was balling before the break, right? He had a 50-51 piece, 50 piece. I think it was another... Another one where he was right at 49. So he's had some big games, as you see, uh, February 10th against the Clippers, seven threes. Uh, February 12th, he had six threes against the Clippers and then against the Pelicans, which he killed them, uh, seven threes. So this is a matchup that I think is not uh, one that should be tough for Doncic to get off the threes. I think he'll hit them. I think he can cook against the Jazz tonight. So I like this. But my, my really big lock I love tonight is I really love that DeJounte Murray pick over the seven and a half rebounds, if you're going to do that with prize picks. So, I think those are ones that you definitely want to look at. So, just to recap for everybody so they can know what is going on, you want to look at James Harden. I got him under 21 and a half points. Okay. James Harden, don't think he's going to come out and have a big game. He could prove me wrong, but I don't like him there. I go with the under for the 21 and a half points. The Jontae Murray over the seven and a half rebounds. Love his opportunity to get a lot of boards against the Washington Wizards. And Doncic, I love his opportunity to feast on the perimeter and get a lot of threes. I think he can get three threes or more against the Utah Jazz tonight. So those are my picks. Once again, we got to remind y'all, we, we're helping y'all out, man, here. Help us out if you want to. We're trying to help you out. Prize Picks code is NBAEX. First deposit that you put down, it's matched up to $100. That's what Prize Picks will do for you. Really good show today. A different time for us to do this at four o'clock, a little bit later on a Friday afternoon. But again, I'm so grateful for my guy, Gary Washburn, uh, who I've known for years at the Boston Globe, for taking the time to join with me, talk a little Celtics, talk a little NBA. If you missed it, came late to the conversation, this will be archived. You can watch anytime on the Backpack Broadcasting YouTube channel. Also, you can check out the podcast, the audio version, which is up on all digital streaming platforms. I'm Dexter Henry. It's been a great week. Uh, coming back to the NBA Exchange after the All-Star break. There'll be a lot to talk about next week. Uh, February will be ending on Monday. We're into March. Unbelievably, we are headed towards the playoffs. (laughs) Unbelievably, most teams have anywhere between 25 to 23 games left, so we are into the stretch. As Gary said, there's still a lot to be decided in terms of awards. If you're thinking about future bets, we'll talk about that over the next month or so. A lot still to be decided, a lot to be discussed. As we head to one of my favorite times of the year, which is spring, the postseason around the NBA. Honestly, man, I just can't wait. Uh, Once again, special thank you to my guest, Gary Washburn, who was great today uh, to join us once again. You know, we'll have him back to hopefully talk some more Celtics and other things around the NBA. Thank you, the subscribers, the listeners. Hit that subscribe button on the Backpack Broadcasting YouTube channel. Also, Hit the subscribe button, follow the podcast and any of your digital streaming platforms, and, you know, use that code NBAEX for prize picks. I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, we'll see you on Monday on the NBA Exchange. Peace and enjoy the basketball.